12th episode of the game podcast i'm your host gary thompson here with me are michael majors and andrew brown uh i'm a lowly gold level pro but i got two platinums with me uh one of which is making a brisk jog for the star city games platinum which doesn't really exist but uh last weekend was the scg invitational new jersey michael majors made the top four playing abzan in modern and teamer emerge in standard and well, i'm sure we'll talk about this more later but majors managed to trick me into playing abzan in modern but he didn't trick me into playing his busted standard deck so i'm, I'm a little upset i i don't what are you talking about i <laughs> there's no one to blame but yourself here oh yeah no i know i'm fully aware i i came over to your apartment like wednesday i think before the tournament you're like let's play some games i played some games you won more than you lost we fixed a couple of the uh, slots in the deck and then you just didn't play it yeah i don't know in my defense i'm really stupid dude jerry I the mean, deck I- has elder deep fiend in it that is a nice card. It is uh, a good nice card. It's a very difficult card to play with. I'd yes. also agree with that statement. I guess my, my in-my-defense statement was, like, I'm really stupid. So, like, what I meant by that was that, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough to make good deck decisions. But I'm also, like, you know, the, the deck is hard to play. So, I don't know. I watched uh, one match of the Invitational after I got home, and it was Michael Majors against Brad Nelson. And I was expecting big things. I was hoping there was going to be, like, a lot of trickery going on. And, you know, two platinum-level people teaching me how to play Magic, basically. And the first two games were that. And then, unfortunately, Majors just got, like, horribly mana-flooded in the third game. But I don't know. I think I think Majors played very, very well. Probably did some stuff that I would not have done. And, you know, Brad's deck was just, like, all sorcery speed creatures. So he did what he could. But Game three was definitely unexciting. But I don't really know where you're going with this, honestly. The deck is really hard to play, though. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that was basically it. It's just, like, Brad's deck is doing uh, kind of, like, the, the most, like, baseline type of stuff where he's just, like, playing creatures and pumping them, you know, and he's a little bit slower, so it should be, like, a decent matchup. I don't think it's as bad as, like, Mono White would be, for example. But you also, like, I don't you Emrakuld him, and then... Uh, I, I don't remember which game this was, but you Emrakuld him, and then also just, like, got it to a point where... You, like, held a Deep Fiend to make it so you could hit him for, like, exactly lethal. Yeah, that was game one. Uh, that, that's a that's a pretty common theme with the deck is, like, it, it always looks like you can play your Deep Fiends in, like, a pretty good spot to, like, build your battlefield position and stuff. But generally speaking, you just, like, always want to hold it to, like, make sure you don't die or to, like, lethal your opponent. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things that kept coming up when we were playing games was just patience. Yes, uh, I think that the deck really rewards patience in particular. Like, I talk about this in my article that went up uh, last Tuesday. Time travel is really hard. Yes, Tuesday. This is probably going up Thursday, I assume. Uh, Deep Fiend and Grapple of the Past are, are cards that reward you for holding on to them as long as you humanly can. Also, but, just a flashback K return. Yes. Uh, of course, like, you know, if you can get the game into a position where you can save your Deep Fiend until you have K return and you're very buried, that's awesome. There's, you know, a bunch of situations where the deck is, like, really built to, like, stall really well. You know, it's pretty pretty easy to consistently get an Ishkana with Delirium on the battlefield, build up kind of a nice little robust board, maybe, like, a Primal Druid, a Griff, and some Spiders. It's pretty difficult for your opponent to attack. And then instead of, like, seizing the initiative with a Deep Fiend like you might be normally incentivized to do, uh, especially, like, Andrew's uh, version from the PT, which was pretty much forced to, like, chain Deep Fiends and, like, nickel and dime your opponent to lethal 
Uh, you can kind of just sit back, make sure you don't die, keep your deep being in the bank as insurance, and then just like stall, stall, stall until you find Emrakul, and then you just completely devastate your opponent. I think yeah. that's just like another like patience is just another testament to like how difficult the deck is to play because like that's just not like something that we're generally taught in magic like that's a good thing like holding on to your best card that's not normally something you do in most constructed formats so it's it's a little weird yeah i mean i think patience is very very applicable and limited right where it's like you know if you have like an insane three drop you don't necessarily lead with it because they might have a removal spell or whatever and like you actually want to play it like once the board is kind of like stable or they're kind of like out of gas or whatever and in constructed it's just like whatever they have 12 removal spells in their deck like all my stuff is probably gonna die like let's just jam yeah kind like, of thing but here's siege rhino yeah exactly and this deck is very strange in that it's like this kind of defensive like rampy deck but is also like very tempo based has like kind of the biggest top end in the format i mean like a, a lot of decks are like tied with you but I feel like this deck can also just, like, keep going past that, you know, like, once you both Emrakul each other or whatever. Uh, it just has, like, this weird tempo-y finish where, like, sometimes you Emrakul them once, it's not enough, and then you just have to, like, leverage this 13-13 that, in a lot of cases, is just, like, more than enough, but sometimes it's not, and you have to get, like, kind of scrappy with this deck, too. So it's just, like, a very strange deck. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, like, obviously the deck is, like, built with tons of, like, enablers, like, Vessel Gather grapple the past and then you have like these super underpowered cards on paper like pilgrim's eye primal druid and i played a sadisi's faithful so it's like you're working with like these twos and threes and then you have like emrakul which is just the most powerful thing ever whoa 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 don't throw shade at primal druid oh it's it's, it's not a mean i'm not saying the card is bad it's just like if you're looking at like the raw power level of the cards in the deck there's the biggest discrepancy basically ever yeah definitely but i i mean i also think it's just how the community likely views Primal Druid versus, like, how good Primal Druid actually is. Oh, I certainly agree with that. I mean, I think Primal Druid remains the most underrated card in Eldritch Moon. It's just insane. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, is it safe to say that you like your standard deck more than your modern deck? Yes, but I will also admit that there is a fine bias going on here. Hmm. How's that? I don't know. I guess I feel kind of invested in this deck, and I... I've enjoyed working on it and tweaking it, you know, slowly. And despite the fact that I've played many, many, many hours of this deck, like I'm constantly learning things, and it's it's just really rewarding to play. That's the same experience I had with the Teamer Emerge deck. I remember just making multiple mistakes in the Swiss, and then uh, just trying to use that play better as I continue out through the tournament. Yeah, and and just building my deck has, has been like a really interesting process to say the least it's, it's time consuming and I'm, I'm constantly learning everything you know just by playing more matches so. and there's just a lot of different versions too and i think they're they're kind of equally good i mean i i certainly like this version a lot more i mean like even the one that you played at the pro tour was completely reasonable yeah it certainly was but i think like this deck is just far superior three emeralds ends up being better than one most of the time yeah, I mean, that that's certainly, like... Uh, so, I mean, we knew Emrakul was good going into the Pro Tour, but we didn't know how good it was. So we definitely underrated it, even though we thought it was super powerful, which, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to say, like, out loud, but that's just the truth. Well, yeah. it's it's one of those things where a lot of people were like, I'm going to jam three Emrakuls, and then some teams were like, no, Emrakul is the card you traverse for, right? And there's a big difference there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that's, that's where this deck is. It, it looks very much, like, in the same ballpark as, like, Owen's, like, combo Emrakul deck, 
but it kind of isn't, even though, like, a lot of the cards are the same, and it kind of wins the games, generally speaking, the same. But, like, it really is just a, a mashup of, like, Emerge and, like, Combo Emerge. We, we've kind of, like, the last couple weeks we've talked about this, where, like, the linear nature of, like, Andrew's deck versus the linear nature of Owen's deck. And uh, this, this is kind of firmly in the middle, where you are a, a good Kozilek's Return Emerge deck. You can, you can play a pretty good normalized game. You can get on the battlefield easily with Primal Druid and then, like, an early Griff to... You know, generate velocity and card advantage just like Andrew's deck, but at the same time, like eventually the, the game hits a point where you aren't incentivized to do anything except for survive long enough to emerge your opponent. How did you like the uh, Shrine of the Forsaken Gods? Virtually free. It's not. It's not free, and I definitely like lost a game to my mana, but that wasn't shrines or probably two or three games. You know, based on mulligans plus actually hands that I kept. But I don't think that was Shrine's fault. I think that was just me constructing my deck poorly. And on the flip side, Shrine won me at least two games that basically no other card could have, and it was generally very good. So yeah. it, it was the combination of Shrine and Shivan Reef, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Shivan Reef is by far the worst land in the deck. I would just probably not play them moving forward, uh, which is the, the list that I, I sent Jerry, and he did a video on this week as well. Do you think moving forward you should uh, try and fit Sanctum of Ugin in your deck? No, it's it's not that it's bad or that you know it doesn't have a place or whatever. It's just that I don't think you need it. I don't have a good answer to this, but I think Shrine is 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 more powerful than what you're trying to do. And if you build the deck correctly and play correctly, you should never like be running out of threats except for in extreme circumstances. Okay. So a few things. Uh, I think a Shivan Reef might be okay to traverse for, but I don't want it to come from the third island. I don't want to cut a shrine. I don't want to add a land, and I don't want to cut a green source. So it's just kind of like, it's it's just not there. You know, like you basically just can't do it. Oh, uh, not Owen. Uh, Costa won his Moto RPTQ. He went six and one with Majors' deck. He did cut a shrine for a sanctum. I haven't talked to him to see like how good it was, but I also think that this deck just like hard casted stuff way more often than you know like your deck from the Pro Tour did, Andrew. Mm-hmm. So stacking the land is actually just a real cost. Sure. And now that Majors has, like, four Traverse in this deck, the deck is actually, like, very threat-dense. So, like, yeah. Lumbering Falls is, like, a huge, like, card in my deck. Like, I, I it was, like, essential for me, like, winning the game a lot. Um, you're not playing any. Did, did you, like, re- never really need to, like, beat them down ever? Or was, like, the tap land just not good? Uh, I, again, I think it kind of comes down to, like, a fundamental identity. Like, your deck is not, not aggressive, but, like, at some point you have to just flip the switch, turn the corner, and you need those, those extra three to six points to finish the game out before your opponent can like you know, deal with your emerge creature or start to actually deploy their end game. You, you kind of like take a, a key turn, you seize initiative, and you just never let go, and Lumbering Falls is, is a key part of that. Mm-hmm. But here, like, you know, you have four Vessel of Nascency, you're, you have this really like low curve where you want to play all your enablers. You never want to top deck Lumbering Falls when you're looking to like hard cast something. And yeah. generally speaking... You don't really want to invest the mana in it because it's not going to get you anywhere. Like, either just like Emrakuling them and going over the top of them with like Deep Fiend plus Emrakul or, you know, some some other odd combination. But basically, like, you're not going to have five spare mana and the three damage isn't going to be super relevant. I don't think. Obviously, there's going to be scenarios, but I don't think that it's worth having it. Here. And yeah. uh, g- going back to, to the Sanctum thing, um, I agree that, that sacrificing a land is a real cost. And also, it's, it's pretty common that you'll just like play Emrakul and, like, leave up mana to uh, emerge Deep Fiend, and that's another, like, testament to Shrine's power and how you can just do filthy things. Looking at your sideboard, I really like the Evolutionary Leap. Was that, like, an all-star? 
It was fine. Uh, I only brought it in three times, I believe, and it was good twice. Uh, I certainly, I'm, obviously, I, I like Evolutionary Leap, and it's a really <laughs> powerful card in theory. There is definitely some issues of running into, like, Black Green Delirium, and if your opponent, like, Emrakul's you, you can, like, get your Emrakul sacked Evolutionary Leap, and that's, that feels pretty bad. So that, that would make me reevaluate some things, but generally speaking, especially, like, if people move towards, like, JC's Abzan deck without Emrakul, uh, I don't see how they can ever beat it. Sure. And uh, Kiora, how is, how is she... Uh, Cure is terrible. I'm cutting it. There's no. It, it, it's not that Cure is bad. It's just everyone's adjusted with to the slaughter, and it's just oh, embarrassing. Yeah. Yep. To the slaughter is another one that I've been getting max value out of for my Emrakuls. It's like kind of similar to Evo Leap in that regard, where it's like very good against their deck, but if you get Emrakul, it's just bad. Yep. I mean, I think the card is fine, but it's just not worth playing the way that the format is starting to shape. And uh, last thing, the Dragon Master Outcast. I know that like Eureka played one of in their Jun Delirium deck. Is that just like a holdover from that? Yeah, kind of. I basically wanted like a split card of additional threat against like Infinite Obliteration decks and a nice powerful card against Bant Company when the games start to stall out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't play it moving forward, but I don't think the card is bad. Fair enough. And then Noose Constrictor just beats up on the Fever Visions shenanigans. Blue-red, I uh, didn't actually play against it in the tournament. It's also good against, like, stock Bant Company with, you know, Selfless Spirit and Spellcaller because yeah, they have sure. such a hard time getting through it. But if more people start moving towards, like, Bant Humans or more aggressively slanted decks or just, like, you know, boss humans in general, I don't think News Constrictor is good in any of those matchups because their creatures start to size up so quickly. Yeah, uh, like, other stuff on my sideboard, I was definitely missing a way to just, like, interact with my opponent's Emrakuls. So I would definitely play some Clash of Wills moving forward. I think, like, again, like, it's it's pretty easy to get the game in a state where you're just, like, stalling and building up, and eventually you're just going to get your opponent with Emrakul plus some other sequence. You, you don't want to feel, like, too pressured to deep fiend them on, like, their key turn when they could Emrakul, because if you could just, like, counter theirs, then, like, they don't have a board position, and they're not going to devastate you too badly because there's not much they can do in the deck. Like, they can, like, emerge out your deep fiend or whatever, but that's pretty much the worst case scenario. You you definitely can't play summary dismissal, right? I don't you think like, so. I, you have like I don't nine, like nine blue sources. Yeah, you have nine. You have nine blue, but like you don't cast it until the game is super long, and like you're, sure. you're almost you... always getting island off of Pilgrim's Eye and Primal Druid. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the biggest like problem. It's just that Clash of Wills is going to be more versatile. Like, I definitely want something against Kalidus. Like, that's still you know a huge problem for the deck. Not so going to register Somberwald Stag. Nah. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Majors, have you ever been Infinite Obliteration? Yes. Did you win those games? Uh, I did. I just trackered on my opponents and defeated them. Um, but okay. that's not to say that it's not an issue. Okay. Uh, from from my experience, both with your deck and Owen's deck, it's been like you, you get obliterated, and yeah, you have you know varying threats. You have like Lashweed Lurker and Outcast and all that stuff, but it's like you have no real way to contain them, and you're basically banking on Emrakul to do a lot of the work as far as, like, you know, getting rid of all the excess resources they've gotten from, like, Tracker or Liliana or whatever. And it always seemed like without Emrakul, it was, like, too hard to actually get them down to zero as far as, like, resources and, like, actually stick a threat and all that stuff. Yeah, I I certainly agree that it is a huge problem if you get infinite obliterated because it basically forces you to... I, I've been saying in this, you know, just a couple of minutes. So we've been talking about how like patience is key and like you're just like waiting and trying to like build up to this like pivotal moment. 
But once your opponent obliterates you, then you suddenly don't have that time. You have to like actually push the game forward. Yeah. So I I added a coax. I think the coax is good with the Jaces, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested in playing Jace now. I think so. Uh, coax makes a lot of sense. You're gonna have to change your mana base then, right? No, because there's four four traverse in the new one. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just like a small sideboard plan. It's like, like your mana is not a problem if you're not under pressure. Like in those matchups, you know, you have like Pilgrim's Eye, Primal Druid, Traverse. Uh, you know, you can backdoor into it with like Vessel or Grapple. You're, you're certainly going to find your blue mana and, and not die to your opponent doing whatever. So while recording my video, it just kind of dawned on me that this is probably going to go down as one of my favorite decks in standard history. Yeah, for sure. I, th I yeah, think that there's just like so many cool, unique things going on, and the deck plays unlike anything we've ever seen before. And it's just like a lot of velocity and like building up your man mana and stuff. It's just like, you know, I'm 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 a lot of spike and a little bit of Johnny or whatever. And it's just like this deck is perfect. Yeah, I definitely I mean, think I just improved as a Magic player playing this deck. It's like so difficult, and you just learn about like your inefficiencies really fast, and you can shore them up just by practicing more. I mean, that that was that was definitely a part of how I answered your question earlier. It's just like. I've enjoyed the journey of both just like slowly tweaking and playing with the deck. Yeah. So what what rotates? Uh, Gather the pack. Fine question. Gather, which is basically the worst card in the deck anyways. Uh, Nissa's Pilgrimage Jeez. is a big one. Shivan Reef, Yavamaya Coast. Yeah, Pilgrimage is big. Eh, yeah, Coast matters. Yeah. I, I mean, the core is still going to be here. K-Return, Vessel Grapple, Traverse... All the big stuff. Primal Druid. Yeah, Primal Druid emerged. So, like, the deck is certainly going to change, right? But it's like the core is still there and we can still mess around with it. So, that's basically all I want. Uh, Pilgrim's Eye is Battle? Oh, it is Battle. Yeah. yeah, it's Battle for Zenikar. Okay. Uh, that's, that's actually a pretty big one. So, that one's phase two. Yeah, because that, that was another thing I was noticing. Just like, oh, this deck doesn't lose much. Like, I, I'm actually like pretty sad that there aren't many standard tournaments coming up. And by that, I mean, I think there are zero. Yep. If I still get to keep playing this deck, then whatever, you know, it's it's fine. So I mean, there's Richmond in two weeks, which I'm definitely going to and definitely playing this deck. Well, I'm I'm gonna be at Pax, so uh, ooh, me too. Well, nice nice rubbins, boys. I'll I'll be battling it out with <laughs> good old teamer. Well, we'll be jealous, okay? I'm just gonna be watching the World Championships. No big ooh, deal. I will be spell slinging from three to five every day at Pax. It's gonna be gas. Okay, so yeah, go say hi to Andrew. Yet yet again, the least subtle love. All right, Andrew, are you going to bring some, some of your pro player cards for me? No, I don't get them till Hawaii. It's a gigantic Oh, oh yeah, because you weren't platinum yet. Okay. Man, uh, I gave away a few of majors to various people that said that they liked the, the podcast or said that they were sick of losing to majors and his enchantments, which was exactly one person, and that was Dan Ward. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really hope we just kind of subtly daggered Dan Ward. Every other week or so. Oh, that, that's that. the that's the plan. That's the plan. I mean, I felt like uh, giving him the majors token was like, all right, you know, here's here's one for this week, kind of thing. <laughs> and then the podcast comes out. I don't think he listens, but Kevin Jones does, and he'll tell Dan. So perfect. Perfect. Okay, ready to move on to modern. I mean, if we have to. Yeah. If we have to. Yeah, I'd rather talk about Teamer. Well, I mean, if you have anything else to say, man, now's the time. I've, I've written and spoken a lot of words about this archetype in these decks, so it's pretty much all I got right now, but... Um, How about this? How about this? Just like Jerry said, is this like your favorite 
standard deck you've ever played or close to it? Uh, it's it's definitely up there. I have some like old nostalgia favorites, or kind of when I was getting into competitive Magic initially. So I kind of think on them fondly. Um, also, really enjoyed like I think one of the most. This is completely off topic, obviously. Well, sort of. You asked the question. That uh, Bant Birthing Pod that would try to fog its opponent over and over after Cobblade got neutered. I love that deck. The, the Stonehorn Dignitary? Yeah. It's just like you're like <laughs> chaining all these like images and ways to copy Stonehorn Dignitary. That deck was sweet. I also really love Psalm Simulacrum more than just about anything, and it was a perfect card in that deck. Oh, yeah. That is a nice card. Probably oh, why, you guys. Probably why I enjoy something like Primal Druid. It's just. I really like that fair kind of effect that like kind of snowballs you towards bigger and better things. Also, a, a cube all star before cubes got too powerful with modern magic cards. Oh, I don't know. It's still. I I think it's still cube worthy. Yeah, it's still solid. But like, I would like first pick it in two thousand five. Anyway, yeah, I like this deck. So modern majors and I played Abzan. Majors played Joe in the mocks, and then Jacob Wilson won the mocks with. John, kind of similar to what Majors was doing, but he also had some Lingering Souls, and then I'm pretty sure Majors was just like, you know, Bolt sucks, Path is better, Lingering Souls is great, let's play Abzan. Is that about right? Uh, Precisely. Okay. Lingering Souls is pretty good, yeah. Nailed it. I I played, like, pretty hard for three days, like, various Jun lists. Was, like, putting up fine results, but not great. Played it in the mocks. You know, went four three or three four. I don't remember which. I guess four three, which sounds like a terrible record, but basically everyone in the mocks is like super good, and all the matches are hard. So it's yeah. like obviously not a great record, but it's not as bad as it sounds. So I wasn't like yes, you yeah. know dissuaded from playing the deck or whatever. But yeah, just like Lightning Bolt is like medium against like Banaldrazi and Death Shadow Aggro and Dredge and stuff like that. And it's not that like Bolt's bad. It's just I felt like Path was better positioned, and I'd already like put in work with this like Grimflayer shell. And obviously, Lingering Souls is awesome at Grimflayer, and so I kind of just decided to play Abzan since I ran out of time. I think it was a good choice for the tournament, though. Like in a in a field like the Invitational, you just want to try and leverage your skill as much as possible. So. 50-50 deck, I guess, or 55-60 deck. See, that's the thing, though. I feel like with Jund and Abzan, Abzan is the type of deck where a lot of the games you lose are when you still have, like, spells in your hand and you just, like, don't get enough time in Modern to, like, cast all your spells. And I feel like Abzan is kind of, like, the antithesis of, like, oh, you know, you're smart, so, like, leverage your play skill or whatever, because, like, the deck is just a bunch of expensive sorceries and there's not a ton of play to it. Whereas I feel like there is more play to Jund because there's more like instant speed interaction. You have like more tricky stuff a little bit of the time. Like you can get more aggressive with like Raging Ravine and Lightning Bolt. So they never really know like what game plan you're on. And just like the fact that you have a lower curve means that you get to play more magic on average. Like you're not playing things like Siege Rhino and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a valid point. I mean, I thought the deck was fine, but not exceptional. Like I would, if, if you if you like Abzan, I think the list is a good starting point, but I would never just blindly recommend it to someone. I think the archetype is decent. I do think Grimflayer is pretty good. Uh, I know Jerry kind of fundamentally disagrees with me on this. I'm not sure whether he just wants to argue about it or if he actually vehemently believes this, but I'll let him talk about it. Why Why would you think that I would just argue for the sake of arguing? I don't know you just like came at it like so hard and so like left field like in round three of the tournament that like so what happened was i realized this as i was like playing games and i was just like so mad that i didn't figure it out beforehand okay 
That's all it was. It wasn't, I wasn't like, I'm not mad at you or whatever, but like I was very strongly arguing it because I do firmly believe that it is true. Okay, well, no, I, I never got the impression that you were angry at me or like I tricked you or whatever. It's just that like... Oh, well, you definitely tricked me. Well... <laughs> Sorry. Or at least I'm just going to keep saying that for no reason. It was just like round through the tournament and you like come up to me and you're like, this deck is terrible. What, what have you done? Like, you know, why, why are we... <laughs> doesn't work it doesn't make any sense and i'm like dude i don't know man whatever it's like we just put goblin guide in our scapeshift deck just it doesn't make any sense i, I don't okay so so basically what jerry is saying is that as he was just talking about with jund like jund is like pretty aggressively slanted uh you you have a little bit more ability to start to race your opponent with like lightning bolt and raging ravine which hits very hard and things along those lines Whereas Abzan has always kind of relied on, it's just like raw, really powerful cards like uh, Lingering Souls and Siege Rhino and things along those lines. So he believes that Abzan is a control deck, essentially, and Grim Flare is an aggressive card, so it has a bit of an identity crisis. I, th I think a better way to put it, and I know that like what you said was basically just verbatim of what I said you know, last weekend or whatever, but I think a better way to put it is that Abzan, because it is its mana curve is higher, it has more powerful cards. I think it relies on uh, getting virtual card advantage way more than like I don't know, basically anything. It's just like ah, oh, powerful card, and now like your three threes don't matter or whatever. And it's just like you you never really race anyone. You never get to like grind them down to zero necessarily. You you very rarely just, like, you know, actually put them in some sort of lock, and the game is, like, kind of in question a lot of the time. Like, yeah, you're, you're like, doing okay, but you never really know who's going to win because they can peel X, Y, and Z or whatever. Whereas Judd is just, like, I'm going to disrupt you, keep you off tempo, like, a little bit, and then turn the corner before you can recover. And I think that that game plan is not only just, like, better in a vacuum, but I think it, it is especially better in modern. I don't disagree with the words that you're saying, but, like, if you look at the deck, like, the curve isn't that high. Like, there's only two Siege Rhino, there's eight free drops, uh, which includes four Lingering Souls, three Liliana the Veil, and a Maelstrom Pulse. And then, like, obviously, it's, it's much harder to play Interaction on turn one, because Lightning Bolt is a very good turn one play, and Path to Exile is not necessarily all the time. Um, yeah. But, well, yes. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> But Grimflare still gives you the means to, like, on turn three or four, interact with your opponent and deploy a threat, which is very good. So I have a question. What do you actually want Grimflare against? See, that, that that's kind of a silly question. Like, if, if you look at this deck like Abzan, like, not all of its cards, like, line up specifically against anything. It's just, like... Well, sure. Okay, you, I mean... You, no, no, no I, just let me finish. You can say that, like, souls are good against Affinity and Infect, right? But yeah. also, it's just, like... Souls is such a good card that it doesn't matter. Like, yes, it might not be good against Zoo most of the time or whatever, but, like, a lot of the time it just ends up being good, you know? Because maybe it's just, like, they have a Tarmogoyf and you add, like, a plus one, plus one, basically, to your Tarmogoyf so they can no longer attack, you know? It just, like, adds a lot of power and toughness to the board, which increases, like, your double blocks, increases your clock, maybe, like, it, you know, it chump blocks or whatever. The card is just, like, really versatile. And... I, I would say that, you know, Lingering Souls in general is not good against Zoo or whatever, but it is it is just a good card. Well, sure. I mean, I, I understand that it is, it's a good card, but I would think that you cited out a, a fair amount. Lingering Souls? No, Grim Flare. Uh, yes, I, I, 
I trimmed it a lot and cut it entirely once or twice, I believe. So again, like I, I like that Grim Flayer kind of enables you to like double spell and gives you another aggressively slanted card, uh, which is you know particularly good against against like control decks or combo matchups where you can kind of dig into more disruption. Obviously, I understand that there are some flaws there because it's this two drop that doesn't impact the board immediately, and then you like finally have to hit your opponent on the third turn, and on the fourth turn you start getting paid off. Like, I get it. There's there's some hoops you got to jump through. It does like enable you to you know take some lines where you can start to like clear the way and then like hit your opponent. And if you ever hit like a lingering souls, obviously that's super powerful. But even completely ignoring that, it just gives you more information about how to sequence the game, how to like set up, finds you more removal spells, more interaction, more powerful cards. Like, the, the card is generically good. I understand your argument, but I don't think that you should cut it from this deck. Okay. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not professing to be, like, an expert or anything. Like, I'm definitely not great at building these decks. I'm just curious just because, like, for the, the reasons that I outlined earlier. I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert either, but I, the, the card was fine. Liliana the Veil, I think, is very similar to the point I was making earlier, where, like, if you look at the lot of, a lot of the decks in Modern, it doesn't line up very well against them, but it is just generally a good card. It also just, like, lets you trade your crappy resources for their good resources or decent resources, you know? So it's, like, a, a lot of the cards, you're just like, oh, this is bad in the field, this is bad in the field, this is bad in the field, and Grimflayer is kind of like that card, too, where it's just like, oh, like basically a grizzly bear maybe it's like a weaker tarmogoyf and then like yeah it helps you like kind of find stuff but it, it is just a generically good card and i think that's kind of what this deck is where you just don't necessarily need uh an actual game plan but i do feel like grim flayer is much better like in jun it is a definite four of i think whereas in this deck it was like oh we can't really afford to draw multiples of this card or whatever so like we were kind of there you know, we kind of figured out that it was not great in this deck, but we played it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're saying that, you know, going forward, you would just keep it in the deck and that's fine. But if, if that's the case, like if this deck needs to play Grim Flare, I'm just not going to play this deck pretty much. But yeah, it's just a decent card. You know, it's I mean, for me, I think it's just like underperformed, period. And I don't think it makes sense in the deck necessarily because of what the deck is trying to do and like how it wins games most of the time. But you, you can't be that wrong just because it is very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think the big mm -hmm. takeaway here is, like, do you need to play a deck? Or if, are you interested in playing, you know, a black-green X deck? If so, like, is Path to Exile significantly better than Lightning Bolt? And I think, based on my assumptions for last week, it was. I don't know if it's necessarily true moving forward, but... Well, I think it's different, because were you just going off of Magic Online in general, or were you going off the mock specifically, or what? Magic Online in general, I mean, obviously, like, well, it's really tough. Like, like, it's it's hard to make assumptions for, like, Magic Online versus, you know, the Invitational field of Modern, and then, like, just the Modern format in general, there's a huge amount of variance on the, the things that you can play against, but I, I thought there were trends that supported my decision to play Pat Dickwell. I don't know, man. Bolt is good. Bolt <laughs> is real nice. I, 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 I feel like... Bolt is good. One, one more point. One more point. Uh, I feel like the Abzan decks are kind of pigeonholed into the strategy of just, like, playing this longer game uh, because of things like Souls and Siege Rhino and the fact that you have, like, Shambling Vent or Hissing Quagmire or whatever crappy creature land you have instead of Raging Ravine. Whereas <laughs> Jun is a lot more malleable. Like, you can play an aggressive game. You can play, like, a disruptive, grindy game. And it's just, like, it kind of depends on what they're doing. It depends on what cards you draw. And I feel like Abzan is just kind of, like, pigeonholed into kind of doing the same thing every time. And, you know, obviously that's not 100% accurate or whatever, but I do feel like Jund is just super, super flexible. And, 
has just like a million one mana cards and the sideboard cards I think are a lot better and yeah, you miss out on on Path to Exile and like having big removal spells for things like Thought Not Seer and Death Shadow and stuff, but like it's doable. Dude, I don't know what to say. I like I don't think like <laughs> Oh, I how is uh, how is Collective Brutality? Collective Brutality is awesome. It is extremely good. Uh obviously like if you can get any graveyard synergy, it's awesome. So it's like been it's been very good and like dredge and it's good with lingering souls and things along those lines. But even like when you don't get this obvious graveyard synergy value or whatever you want to call it, uh just being able to trade your resources for zero mana is super powerful in modern. Yeah. Yeah. Like disfigure your goblin guide, make you discard your Boros charm or whatever for two mana is just insane. I always said that like with with Jund, uh, and I guess junk too, but like junk's a little bit harder. But like with with Jun, like I, I am fine mulling the five against burn because I want Inquisition Tarmogoyf or Lightning Bolt Tarmogoyf. I don't care about how many cards I have necessarily. It is just about keeping your head above water and racing them. And brutality is so good at doing that. I, I was considering putting it in uh, my sideboard for indie as well. It's definitely proven to be a flexible and powerful card. But for me at this point, like if, if I was playing a black modern deck, I would need a very good reason not to play it in my 75. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all about playing something like Jund or Grixis and having Burn be a bad matchup and then just like playing a Brutality, like one main, one board, and just like kind of helping that matchup a ton. So uh, I, I like that card a lot. Plus it's like slightly better than playing a seventh discard effect, which is basically what it was in the Abzan deck that we played. And... Yeah, just I don't know. It, hel- it helps against like ad nauseum and scape shift and stuff like that that you might otherwise have trouble with. But it also just like picks off a small creature, so it's just like a, a really nice split card. It's also very good against all of the like noble hired bird stacks because they're pretty much all comprised of like really high impact powerful spells like Infect or um, Lyra Company or you know Death Shadow Aggro. It's like you have a, a valid target to kill, and they have very good spells in their hand. Or against elves. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been good against elves. So, so I you may may have been able to tell, maybe not. But I called the judge on myself in between game three. I did not decideboard completely. I had an extra maelstrom pulse. So I had one maelstrom pulse, one brutality in my main and my side. And I played the first two okay. games, two pulse and zero brutality. Uh, so oh no, I I did like this exact same thing in an invitational. Yeah. So um, that was that was awkward. The brutality is very good against elves. Uh, nothing bad. Just like I drew over and done with, so they can't do anything. Yeah, I, I drew brutality. Excuse me, I drew pulse one game where you know I guess it was a 50-50 shot of it being brutality. I, I did honestly the exact same thing. I had a dress main and a dress board in my jun deck, and a pulse main and a pulse board in my jun deck, and I played a game with like two duresses in my deck or whatever, and I realized it when I went to sideboarding. Except I called the judge. They gave me a game loss, and then a couple rounds later, the judge came up to me and apologized because it was the wrong ruling. Yeah, that, that is the wrong ruling. Did you win that match? I did. Nice. All right, so Indy, Jerry, are you coming? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to Indy. It basically depends on if I have a deck that I like or not. I was messing around with Bedlam Reveler in the Open on Saturday, I guess it was. And uh, I, I posted some videos of like a control-y Bedlam Reveler deck, and then I was like, no, nah, we can like probably just like speed this up a little bit, so then... I tried the other end of the spectrum, basically, with, like, a bunch of Gitaxian probes, super low land count, and kind of hated it. There were, like, a lot of problems with it that uh, were not easily identifiable until I played some games. So uh, maybe somewhere in the middle or maybe going to, like, a blue-red deck or whatever, but I also don't have a lot of time to test. 
So I could do something like play Dredge, I can play Jund, or I could just not go. I really want to work on Blue Red Storm or Bedlam Reveler, but I might just not have time to figure it out. Yeah, that's legit too. I was like, I was excited about that for all of like five minutes. I mean, like the problem I have with Bedlam Reveler and like building decks around it is you like put multiple copies of Bedlam Reveler in your deck. There ain't nothing wrong with that dog. Uh, well, no, I mean, he's got a good point. It's 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 like it's awkward in the timing in which you can draw your card. I, I get that. Uh, I think looting solves a decent amount of those problems. And I also think I, that it's fine. It like kind of gives you redundancy against like counter spells or discard or whatever. And a lot of the time you're casting Reveler, you're discarding a card anyway. So it, it's going to be an Inquisition or a Terminate or another Reveler. Like it's always going to be something. Maybe like a Mana Leak. Kind of why I'm interested in trying to incorporate into a combo deck that A, like Bedlam Reveler, like naturally plays pretty well with Rituals. And two, like Storm Combo is interested in having like a critical mass of cards in their graveyard. So one thing that I think I've been doing pretty wrong, especially looking at these this modern metagame breakdown, is, I don't know, I feel like I'm leaning too much on discard just in a lot of my decks and the way I build my decks because I'm scared of things like scapeshift, ad nauseum, like scape, uh, like not scapeshift, but like primeval titan type stuff, Tron. Together, those are like uh, still a small portion of the metagame, but I'm like, oh man, you know, like I really don't want to lose to those decks, but... I haven't really figured out how to build decks that are, like, just naturally good against those decks either, or at least I don't gravitate towards them. So, like, playing something like Suicide Zoo, for example, which, granted, does have some amount of discard or whatever, but just, like, has a fast clock, and you don't care about Karn or whatever, you know? I don't know. I just haven't gravitated towards those decks in Modern, but I feel like you can build a Blue-Red Reveler deck, and once I, I do that, I'm just going to be like, well, I'm just going to, like, lose to these combo decks, maybe, unless I can just, like, turn three them or something. Uh, but I really do like the idea of Vapor Snake with Bedlam Reveler. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I that's agree. pretty nice. I also think, I mean, this is this is kind of off topic, but I think Curious Homunculus is a card. Yeah, the flippy guy. Yeah, we 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 tried him in some standard decks that were a little too out there, but that card is is a lot more powerful than it looks. It's kind of like a yeah. two Delver that's guaranteed to flip that just like hits really hard and lets you do stupid stuff. I don't know. You're, you're, the backside of the sky is a Bedlam Reveler, where your instants and sorceries cost one less, and all my spells already cost one. So yeah, so that, that's definitely the issue. It's it's the whether you can actually leverage the reduction ability or not. You could in Storm. It could be a, a beat down Goblin Electromancer. Yeah, I, I thought about putting it in the sideboard, but Electromancer is just too powerful when you're trying to just you know play it on turn three or four and just actually go off on your opponent. Oh, Andrew, check this out. So we were talking about this Storm deck, okay. and he was just—he was like, you know, go read my article or whatever. And I, I remembered the list, but I didn't remember specifics. So Who I was this? Uh, this is Major. It's me. He's just making fun of me. No, no, no. This, this, this was so <laughs> funny though. And I'm, I'm not even trying to blame you or whatever. But basically, I was just like, we could, we, we could cut Electromancer. You know, that doesn't seem that bad. And he's just like, no, absolutely not. And I was like, dude, I, I don't even get it. You don't even. You don't have Metamorphos in your deck, which was like the reason to play Electromancer, you know? Yeah. And then he didn't realize that he didn't have Metamorphos in his deck. And I was just <laughs> like, why Why do you want Electromancer so much? It, it like seems so bad in your deck, you know? And we were just like very confused for like five minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. We were both in. But I don't know. I, I, I still think we could cut Electromancer. No. <laughs> Metamorphos. <laughs> okay. I also think like it. it I don't know. It, it makes like the Bedlam Reveler thing better. Like you can just actually just combo off of a Reveler, or or you could just like brick off and. 
I, was I, I mean, I, I I played a Grand Prix with Storm. It was it's a heartbreaking experience sometimes. You know, you got <laughs> to sweat it out. You're like, all right, I have 18 men in my pool, and your turn. <laughs> it usually doesn't work that way. It's like super unlikely. So what what are you going to play at the event, Michael? Dude, I don't know. Like, dude, don't don't play Tron. Yeah, do not but, play Tron. So I, I drove home from the Invitational with Tom Ross, and you know we were just talking about modern decks, and pretty much the the pace of that conversation is we both like think in silence for fifteen minutes, and then we talk about it, and you just kind of repeat for six hours. Yeah, oh, and, I, I've ridden with Tom Ross, and uh, I don't know. We we were coming to the conclusion that Relic of Progenesis is pretty damn good, and you know Tron is a good place for that card. Sure. These decks, though, Affinity, Suicide Zoo. Merfolk, Dredge, like Relic or not, whatever. Uh, yeah. Infect, Burn. Like, how does Tron beat any of these decks? I don't know, but like every time I register a deck, I, I play against Tron and I get obliterated. Yeah, we should stop <laughs> registering like yeah. Inquisition of Kozilek. I just oh, do you play? Have you ever played Ad Nauseum versus Tron? <laughs> that is, it's a pretty good matchup. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do in modern. Like, honestly, we should. Figure out how to play Suicide Zoo. Yeah, that deck is quite good. Yeah, I like. I came to that conclusion a couple days ago where it's like, I should have learned how to play the deck, but I feel like my window is kind of closed because I think people are going to like start preparing for it like they do on Moto. Holy crap, Death Shadows are $13? Yeah, yeah I dude. bought some of those a while ago. I wonder where they are. God. I was I was so ahead of the curve on Death Shadow. Man, you're so smart. <laughs> and put it in so many bad decks. Death Shadow is very good. I don't know if it's actually that Death Shadow is good or it's that the enablers for Death Shadow are really good. Probably the latter. Yeah, Probe, probe Street Wraith, like Fetch Shock, just all busted. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're playing Ad Nauseam, Andrew? Yeah, I've been playing about like, I don't know, like four leagues a day with it online. Uh, I posted some Twitter photos of funny happenings in my matches, but yeah. Definitely going to play that. Um, still kind of working out my sideboard, but I'm feeling really good and very practiced. How difficult is it to pick up Ad Nauseam? The floor is pretty low, but the ceiling's kind of high, I think. So it's like, all cantripping, man. You'll be fine. So, like, killing people is pretty much the same every time, right? It's just getting to that point? No, actually, like, um, there's, like, two distinct versions. Like, there's spoils versions, and then there's, like, non-spoils versions. And, like, I, I play a spoils deck, so, like, sometimes you, like, egg, you might exile one of your win cons, and then you have to do the other one in, like, in some awkward fashion. There's a lot of, like, corner cases where you have to do things, like, a little different that makes it hard, but for the most part, like, in the non-interactive matchups, you're just like, alright, am I dead before turn four? Okay, you're dead, then. Exile some spirit guides. Not sure I want to register a spoils of the vault deck. That does sound pretty challenging. Yeah, you gotta have some big nuts, but it's um. Well, keep keep it. How many scrylands do you have? I have six scrylands and four serum visions, so you can cantrip it sometimes. Yeah, but you know, like sometimes you just have to like, okay, I'm at twelve. I have the combo. I mean, I have a piece, and I need to get my other piece, and I can do it next turn. Just roll the dice. I'm definitely okay with this anyways, because then you're just like, you just you you don't have control anymore. It's just, it, is it gonna work or is it not? Yeah. It's an experience, but uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of six mana creatures against my opponents recently, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Dragon Lord Dramoka and uh, Grave Titan are certainly all stars in some matchups. I resolved Dramoka against Burn; that was also pretty nice. And uh, Grave Titan's excellent against Jund because they like take out all their removal, 
and then you play six six and they're like what do i do so you're super excited turn two pinted prism turn three land spirit guide six drop yeah or you just like turn four your six drop off your lotus or something because like once you land dromoko like they can't even like interrupt your combo on your turn which is nice uh, the, the one two punch of play my six mana dragon and then combo kill them yeah classic so if you play against andrew kill all of his mana sources <laughs> sure uh, i always had the impression that was what i was supposed to do against that deck whenever i played joe i always just tried to turn it into an ld deck because like they're they're naturally gonna lay line you and then it's just like you need all the grudges and fulminator mages and whatever yeah i've, I've k commanded a few lotuses and upkeep sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't and you have to like shock yourself or whatever yeah it's not great. Shock your own, shock your own Tarmogoyf. <laughs> One of the matchups I've been having like a lot of trouble with is like Death Shadow. Those like they have a, they have the combo of like a lot of pressure and hand disruption, which is like normally like too much to beat. But I don't know. I'm trying out Spellskite and more Fogs, so we'll see how that goes. Also, in my my car rides with Tom Adventure, I've uh, been brainstorming a lot of traverse the open wall decks in modern it's been kind of fun but again i don't think there's any way do I they can. have bedlam reveler in it uh no you remember shodi asoka's like eternal command deck the aether vial rug deck uh-huh yeah i've been, been thinking about some of that kind of stuff dude i do really like cryptic command yeah i don't have those but uh got some collective brutalities and some vials <laughs> and traverses and just go off Dude, I don't know. Uh, Witness Traverse just has to be so satisfying. Especially Ooh. with a Vile. just sounds awesome. No, I know. That is nice. How do you get Delirium? Got Brutality and, you know, interaction and creatures and lands and a couple Coursers and some other stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Courser is nice. It's an adventure. Oh, also Brain Maggot's pretty nice, too, if you haven't played that one. Yeah, I like that idea. I've forgotten about it, but I remember you posting a list with it. Dude, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to play in Modern. Well, I'll see you in Indy. Yeah. I recommend playing a deck that doesn't suck. Uh, that's usually pretty good advice. Uh, so maybe my backup will be Banteldrazi, because I don't think that deck sucks. Yeah, that's a really good deck. It's also like hard to hate out in the sideboard. It also has a pretty good sideboard, because Ancient Stirrings can find hate, which is nice. Uh, so I think, think that deck is pretty good. It's probably my backup. Okay. I know uh, a lot of people on East West Bowl love it, so hard to go wrong. Well, uh, Cho played Suicide Zoo in the open. I have basically a copy of that deck put together. If you want to swing by and you know grab some stuff, could also just play Infect since I, I don't know if it's actually a good choice right now, but I genuinely enjoy playing it. I think that deck is pretty poorly positioned, but yeah. Well, I mean, so, Michael, you are on Team Eureka, so you're pretty like pigeonholed into playing death shadow i just don't know what i'm doing i i have like no experience with it i played a versus video against jerry with it and just completely spewed away every game <laughs> i did appreciate that I, I just didn't know what i was doing wait do you guys get like more money for winning yeah obviously we, we only get paid if we win <laughs> and no, this is like a real question think about the nature of your question <laughs> All right, I'm off it. We, we only get paid for our articles if it directly links to selling $10,000 worth of cards. And <laughs> no, we, we just get flat rates for stuff, man. It doesn't matter. All right. Is there like but a the, versus series trophy at the end? No. Who won the most? No, we talked about doing something like that, but hmm. never happened. Because it's like if, if, if it was competitive, then, you know, like people would like 
play better decks instead of interesting matchups. They'd try, like, high technology. We wouldn't, like, talk about our plays, you know, because people would just, like, use that and basically cheat off of it, so. All right. Yeah, it just fosters a better environment if it's just, you know, fun but informative. Yeah, we're, we're trying to teach and help people learn and be somewhat entertaining. That's noble. And try to minimize the awkwardness as much as possible. It's tough sometimes, though. It certainly is. Well, uh, GPND, majors bring a lot of tokens. Anyone what? who likes the podcast should go ask majors for a token. Ooh, uh, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can do that. And then, Andrew, when you get yours, eventually. Hawaii. They told me I'm getting them Hawaii. Well, we'll see, man. We'll see. You're going to Hawaii, right, Jerry? I mean, yeah, but I thought I was going to Sydney, too. So we'll You should have went to Sydney. Nah, I'm fine with it. No, All right. I think he made a good decision overall. Dude, but uh, it's the Pro Tour, man. I... N- all right, never mind. Pe- people are different, Andrew. You don't, yep. you don't have to project onto me. I'm not projecting. It's just like, you know, going to sleep. I would, like, dream of it. Be like, man, one day, you know, I'll do that. But I guess I guess you, you, you've done it a lot longer than me, so I, I can see where that comes from. I've, I've played, like, 40. Hmm. And on, like, it hour is- nine of that 14-hour flight, you're like, hmm... I don't know about this. Yeah. (laughs) There's still time to just turn around, right? That's okay. I watched uh, the entire Harry Potter series on my flight, so... Oh, my. Yeah, it was gas. What what a magical flight that you took part in. (laughs) Yes, I was keeping in with the magic theme, you know? And then you made top eight. Yeah, dude, that's all it is. It works. All right. All right, Jerry, I think you need to send us off because we've done it the past couple times. You have, but you guys keep doing so well. Oh, in magic tournaments? Yeah. And in life. Eh, I don't know, man. Majors, you're just off it. No enthusiasm. You're just, you're exhausted. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just one of those days for me. Can't really explain it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. It's, it's up to me, I guess. You do it, Jerry. That's game! going to attack woods in milliseconds says i'm gonna block like this wesco nods you are gonna see a handshake any minute you look at his hand there he's just like tense he's like do you have that's it? the game Unbelievable. Woods by three games to two keeps the channel fireball dream alive he refused to lose that game that is an extraordinary game of magic